Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. dear listener and welcome back to Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast with me, Caroline Foran. I'm so happy this week. I mean, I'm always happy. I say that every week. I'm never not happy to have a guest, but this week I'm ecstatic to have someone who I've followed for a while on Instagram, Louise Boyce, and she's known as Mama Still Got It on Instagram. And if you're a parent on social media, you either will have heard of her or if you haven't, you will be so grateful that I've now brought her to your attention because she is just the tonic that everyone needs. She normalizes the difficult parts of parenting in such a hilarious way it is incredibly validating and just yeah the tonic that makes me get through the day when I'm having a tough day I just go on and watch one of her videos Louise is also a model she has worked for over 20 years in the modeling industry and she's been no stranger to anxiety so in this episode obviously she shares her story with me the different points in her life where anxiety came to a head particularly during covid which is common for for most people it got really tough during covid with the expectation of having to keep all the plates spinning at home and home homeschooling I think a lot of people relate to that so yeah if you're a parent this is an episode for you and thank you so much Louise for joining me and I hope you find it helpful Mama still got it Louise voice thank you so much for joining me on owning it the anxiety podcast it is such an honor to have you first of all how are you doing uh, well, thank you for having me. Um, I'm fine, actually, this morning. Yeah, the sun's shining, not a cloud in the sky. It's Yeah, life is uh, it's nice. Yeah, it's nice. You have been very busy lately. On top of having three kids, your Instagram, Mama Still Got It, and the blog and everything has just, I guess, skyrocketed between the beginning of COVID and now. <gasps> yeah, it's been... Um... It's been busy. Uh, yeah, I think since the the pandemic hit and I just basically started doing all these silly videos and they were getting shared and just got more of a following just meant that, yeah, life got a lot busier. But it's been really fun. It's been an amazing journey. But yeah, no, it's hit as busy, but it's, it's nice. It's good busy. I think there's a big difference between being busy with something that 
comes so natural to you. It's kind of a good stress as opposed to working every hour on something that's just like taking every ounce of joy out of you. Yeah, I mean, I do think sometimes that making these videos is sometimes my sense of release in a way. Like if I've had a bit of a stress day, I'll make some silly content out of it or on something else and... I make myself giggle and then knowing that I might be raising a smile on other people makes me feel better. So yeah, I guess it is, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't feel like work, but you know, like every job, there are days where you you get overwhelmed. The person who ever said, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life was full of shit. Like it's still work. <laughs> it is still work. It is still work. And obviously I've said like with any job, you know, you get great days and then you get days of like, do you know what, I've had enough, I'm, I'm shutting the whole thing down. And there have been days where I've been like, do you know what, I'm just gonna delete my Instagram account, I don't care. And, and then obviously the next day like, oh no, it's been great, I love it. Yeah, I know in any job you'd wanna just be like, just kind of checking in, checking out, just doing the work and not mentally being there. But when it's your personality and it's part of you, that pressure to bring it, I guess is always, is always there. Yeah, but I do sometimes think as well, like if I am feeling a bit blah and I know that I have to do a bit of work and regardless of doing like the content stuff, like being a model, you you have to you have to be switched on you have to be happy you have to to be you have to perform um and there's been times in the past where I've gone on set and I've been heartbroken or my grandfather's passed away or whatever but you can't bring that you have to almost pretend that nothing's worrying you in life and then sometimes when you pretend that then you actually start to feel it it does help me sometimes like the other day for example I was feeling really it's having one of those days we just like, ugh, everything is rubbish. And um, and I made a video whilst feeling rubbish, but at the same time I had to play a character where they had to be quite upbeat and silly and funny. And then I posted it online and it did really well. And I just thought, actually, I've now turned into that person that I was trying to be anyway. For context, let's just talk through your, your story so far. So you started out modeling yeah. when you were 15. Yeah, that's right. So back in the good old 90s, um, I became a model. And back then it was very much, you know, the look was heroin chic. Kate Moss was, everyone wanted to look like Kate Moss. So obviously having curves or boobs uh, was like a big no-no. Um, and back then as well, the industry was very, it was very, you had to be a certain height, you had to be a certain size. I had the height, but I was always slightly curvier. Um, and I was always told that I had to lose weight. Um and so for me, I think anxiety, I first had my dose of anxiety when I was 15, but I didn't really understand what it was. It was just this new feeling. And then this feeling of, I have to, I have to lose weight and I don't know how to do it. I mean, I was still living with my mom. She was cooking me, you know, massive meals every day. Um, and there wasn't Google, there wasn't social media for me to see how to lose weight. And so I just went down the awful route of eating disorder, which is really common for, for a lot of girls in the 90s and still is now. So I went down that route thinking that it was just the quick way to lose weight. And it, you know, I was completely wrong, but managed to overcome that, managed to actually, I took a step back from the industry completely for a couple of years and kind of found myself in a way just just really started doing the healing process and started to eat healthily from an anxiety perspective it's really it, I always find this fascinating it's not until you're actually 25 that 
the prefrontal cortex, the part of your brain that can calm anxiety and rationalize and be sensible, that that's fully developed. So like your teen years are so formative, so fragile and any kind of experience you have that sets anxiety in motion, it, it can be so hard to deal with. To have it based on your appearance as well, which is also so important to people at that age, it's a lot. It was really, looking back, it was really tough because as you said, I was in such a young age where you're so influenced by everything around you. And of course, like you, you've, you're going through puberty, you're starting to realize that, you know, you're attracted to boys and you want to look better and you want to like, you know, wear things. And then to have these adults you know, in their thirties kind of pull me into a boardroom and say, you need to lose weight, but not even a nice way. I'm talking like slapping my ass and saying, you need to get rid of that, like in two weeks and having no empathy, nothing. It was just like, you need to get rid of that. And that's that. If you don't, then you're getting kicked out. It was really, really, it was, it was was bullying really. It was a form of bullying. And I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell my mum because I was worried that she would then pull me out of the agency and say it's you know we, we'll we'll give it a miss. So I didn't I didn't tell anyone, and I was also slightly embarrassed. And then and then I you question yourself like am I am I really that disgusting? Which then of course your mind starts playing tricks on you and makes you think that you're like this gross person and you're not. And and looking back, obviously in the photographs of me when I'm 15, like at that actual time in my life, I'm absolutely gorgeous and it, and it breaks my heart to think that that girl didn't believe in herself then and I want to hug my younger self and be like you're absolutely fine don't worry about these people I kind of wish I told everyone to fuck off more but again back then it was just the way that it was and there was no platform to kind of shout out and say guys this is wrong who's with me there was none of that did you feel validated by being part of the agency by getting modeling jobs yeah, i mean there was part of it that was like a dream come true you know i always kind of like liked the idea of being a model i mean you know what kid in the you know, growing up in the 80s didn't um and so there was a part of like oh my god i'm with this huge agency uh, one of the best agencies in london so there was a part of like i i have to stay there i can't get kicked out because that's embarrassing and what will people think and and i think as well like back then people looked at you as like oh you're you know you're a model if you're really pretty or whatever but actually there's so much more to it than that it's not just about looks but I think my friends it was like oh it's because she's you know they think she's pretty so I kind of thought if I get kicked out people are just going to say that I got kicked out because I'm ugly and I thought I can't so this this pressure of like I have to lose weight I can't get kicked out I can't tell my mum I'm just going to keep this quiet it was a really lonely tough time and I I was 15 I should have been embracing you know you're still a kid especially back then you're still a child and I just wasn't enjoying life then it was just it just felt so hard and you took a step back for a while and then things started to change a little bit for the better well I I I took a step back and then a friend of mine told me that there was an agency that catered for models with curves um, and started from a UK size 12 and I thought, well, I'll give it a go. And that was back in 2001. And I did my first modeling job and it was for lingerie for Marks and Spencers. And it was the first time that I was on set and I could, and it was okay that I had boobs and it was okay that I had hips. And the shoot went really well. And I said to myself, I'll give it six months and then I'll reassess. And I've not stopped doing it since then. So what we now, 2022, it's been, it's been basically 20 years being doing 
the modeling, but as a curvier woman and just being me, which obviously has been wonderful. I mean, it's amazing that it was 20 years ago that even things started to improve because I think we still think today that it's such a, it can be such a toxic environment, but that's not been your experience. It was much better now, you know, when I could be, when I could just be who I was, um, because you don't have the added pressure of you need to lose weight. You don't have the added pressure of, I can't eat that. I wasn't throwing up anymore. I was healthy and I was doing the job that I really loved. Um, so what I didn't feel like it was toxic at all. It was actually, it was really nice actually. And it still is. It's, and I'm so pleased that the industry evolved in such a way. And, and, you know, back then in, you know, in 2001, it was called plus size, which is quite derogatory. Then we now call it curve, which is much nicer, but it was very, um, it was still quite taboo. It was kind of unheard of. And the fashion was really old and just awful, not sexy at all. Whereas now, you know, you've got women like Ashley Graham on front covers and you're women that are like size 16, 18, 20, whatever, like on front covers of glossy magazines and in the runways and doing huge campaigns. It's almost like it's now, not only is it accepted, but it's celebrated. And that is something that I've seen evolve. And I'm so, so pleased that that has happened. Um, you know, for, for younger girls that are, you know, again, in their teenage years now, maybe someone's getting told they need to lose weight. I didn't have someone to look up to in glossy magazines that was curvier. I didn't have that. Whereas we have that now. And I think that's just such a strong and, and positive message for the, for the younger generation. Yeah, I hope so. I think it'll be a completely different experience growing up. Obviously, generations coming up now will have social media, which I guess we didn't have to deal with in our teen years, which is a whole other ball game. But then in that 20 year span, you also became a mother yourself. Yes, I did. What was that like anxiety wise for you to, to become pregnant and go through all of that? Well, it's interesting because I... I always knew that when you are pregnant as a model, you basically don't work because I knew that maternity models were just, they weren't pregnant. They just wore a foam bump. So I was very aware that I probably wouldn't get any work, which is quite daunting in itself. So I had like the anxiety of what am I going to do for money? But that, you know, but it, I, it, it worked out in the end, like this is going back when I was first pregnant. So yeah, 10 years ago was when I was pregnant with my first. And it was quite nice actually to stand still because in my job, I was constantly traveling like all the time. And it was actually quite nice to, to sit still. But I did have the, the, the worry of how am I going to bring some money in? But I actually started working in the office at my agency now. Like they were very kind and said that, like, you know, you can work here for a while just behind the desk. So I did. So that was amazing until I kind of found my feet again. But anxiety really did creep in for me as a mother. Like when the baby was born, that was something that I, I wasn't really prepared for. And you wouldn't be because I mean, 10 years ago, even if you were using social media, the, the images of motherhood that we were consuming were so sanitized and so mm. curated. And I mean, I had the exact same experience where I thought I was going into this blissful love bubble of feeling amazing, going for brunch and everything. And the reality is now thankfully something that you're certainly sharing I, I aim to share as well but do you think that's part of it like apart from the hormones do you think a huge part of it was oh nobody told me it was going to be like this oh my god absolutely I wasn't on social media I wasn't I wasn't on any platform whatsoever I didn't google anything and I was the first out of my friends to have a baby so when my baby arrived um the only thing that I could uh, kind of relate to or not relate to but kind of like see what's going on was Beyonce gave birth to her first baby 
Blue Ivy. And then obviously in all her magazine interviews, she's like, oh my God, I feel so blessed. And this, I've never felt this before. And this is what I'm supposed to do. And everything's amazing. And I was reading it thinking, I don't feel like this. I feel like I'm failing. I don't know what this feeling is inside my body. I, I can't, I can't, I'm not sleeping. I want to kill my husband. Like what is going on? And I felt like I was failing. Um, which of course brings on anxiety because you question yourself. And again, I didn't talk to anyone because I didn't want people to think that I was failing or I wasn't capable of this new role. The fear of being judged for not loving every minute of it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. And it is hard. It is so hard. And yes, you see these lovely pictures of, you know, your baby, you know, you're cuddling up with your baby and you put a post on social media. Yes, that's lovely. But my God, behind that, there's blood, sweat and tears. And it's, um, it wasn't until I actually joined social media, I actually downloaded um, Instagram back in, well, it must've been 2015. And it was only then when I started to see a few people saying, I'm feeling like this and I didn't do this. And like reading a few memes that I could relate to. And I was like, oh my God, it's not just me. Like, this is normal. Okay, this is great. Which actually made me feel better. And then I think that kind of made me want to do social media posts and videos with being real and being, you know, this is how it is as a mother and making it comical because the amount of messages I get from mothers and fathers with some of the posts that I do about how, you know, irritating your kids can be or how hard it is. The amount of messages I get saying, thank you, because I thought I was alone in that. And I thought that my kid was the only one doing this, or I thought I was the only one feeling this. And actually what surprises me is that I'll do a video on something that my kids have done or something that my husband's done that sometimes I think maybe I'm alone in this, maybe no one else is doing this. And then the messages that come in saying, oh my God, I have this too, which makes me go, oh, okay, it's okay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm normal. It's also like, I mean, as much as you are helping people feel validated and you're making people laugh so much, like for me anyway, when I share share anything, it's also a coping mechanism to kind of put your hand up and say, is it just me or is there anyone else? I think just knowing that you're not alone and that you're normal and all the things that you're experiencing at home is normal is almost a sense of relief. Like I even did a post, I did a video about the annoying things that my husband asks and I put it up and then I thought, oh God, are people going to think badly of me or my husband? But again, the messages that came in saying, I was so close to leaving my husband because he is so irritating, but thank you because I've just realized that all men are the same. <laughs> and it, it, yeah, it's just nice for people to know that they're not alone. And you also, you started Mama Still Got It, I guess not just in, in response to seeing the need for people being a little bit more authentic when it comes to the portrayal of motherhood, but also work-wise, you felt like you had to tap into something else other than modeling, right? Well, actually I started Mama Still Got It on the back of being a mother and my modeling work completely drying up. You know, I was kind of put on the put on the shelf, I guess, as like, well, she's, you know, late thirties and mother of two, this is back then. And um, probably won't be around to work, you know, probably out of shape. I know kind of, I think people just assume that when you're a mother, you're, you're almost like damaged goods. So, and at the time I saw the rise in social media, I saw the rise in Instagram and I saw other models on Instagram. And I realized that I was losing work to other models 
because of social media. I didn't have an Instagram account, you know, back then. And I realized quite quickly, I need to get one. So I started Mama Still Got It, basically saying, I've still got it. Hello, I'm still here. I can still work. I'm still capable of doing my job. And I still want to talk about beauty and fashion and and now motherhood and, and put a light spin on just because you're a certain age um, or a certain time in your life doesn't mean that you everything has to stop and you're made redundant. And I, I wanted to hold on to my identity. Like to me, that was really important. And that's really scary to be striving to, to become a mother and, and you're so delighted. And then to feel this sense of like having lost yourself in the process. I, I think that's a big source of anxiety for people. Do you feel like you in Mama Still Got It, you got it back and you got that sense of control of yourself back? Yeah, I do. And I think obviously it takes time. Um, when I first started my Instagram account, I didn't have really, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I didn't know what people were going to think, but I knew that I, I needed to do something just for me, just to make me feel like I was worth more than just being, you know, just breastfeeding or nappy changing, which is great, you know, great times. But, you know, there's so much more, like I needed more. I needed to still work. I still needed to hold on to my identity. And I, and I think it, you could so easily just slip away from what you used to be, which can cause anxiety because you're then suddenly this new person that you don't recognize. And I wanted to, cause I still, you know, you still feel sometimes like you're in your twenties, even though that you're not. And I wanted to just hold on to my identity, but at the same time, I wanted to kind of like make other women know that under all this motherhood, they're still fabulous. And we just, you know, you still got it. You never lost it, but I think, when you become a mother in the workplace or your friend circle or whatever, your marriage, sometimes it changes, it all changes. And it's just, you know, I was just a bit like, well, I want to kind of change the stigma behind you become a mother now. So now you're kind of like, you know, written off, like we're not, if anything, we've become an even more miraculous person. We've just created this miracle. When do you think we're going to get to a point where people don't use the word just like just I'm just a mother I'm just a stay-at-home mom like obviously I feel the need to do other things because there are other parts of my personality but I wonder how much that is driven by the need to show the world that we're capable of being more than just mothers because the fear of of just being that because that's the that's the the narrative that's been like shoved down our throats forever it really annoys me because being a stay-at-home mom is actually harder oh my god than going into the office like being I think people underestimate how difficult and draining and mentally and physically exhausting it is to be a stay-at-home mom it is seriously all of those things and you're exhausted at the end of the day and it irritates me when other people think well obviously or then you don't work you're you're just a stay-at-home I'm like no I would love I would love to see anyone who kind of mocks it try and try and be a stay-at-home mom it is hard work I don't know how I mean there's so many people and I know you you had three at home homeschooling a tiny baby as well in the midst of it and trying to do all your own work I had my baby I only have one little boy in lockdown so I didn't have that on top of toddlers I mean I just don't know how you got through the day but for you COVID really brought anxiety to the fore for you I think for a lot of people it kind of hit them and it was frightening because they'd never really felt it to that extent before I had yeah I had major anxiety um so going back two years like March 2020 when everything was starting to look really bad and there was the you know 
the gossip of schools might close and everything might close. And I had to turn off my news notifications on my phone because every time something popped up, I would actually feel extremely anxious and I just had to shut it down. Um, and then schools did close and everything that people were kind of talking about happened when you think, oh my God, what the hell is this? And then on top of that, you know, my work stopped um, completely. So, I, you know, like, all of us, you know, we're not alone there. All of us found ourselves suddenly with no job, suddenly at home with all the children and the husband. You're suddenly thrown into being a teacher. Um, and your, you know, my whole world was completely flipped, like everybody's. And we were told it would only be for three weeks. Right. Oh, my God. And so, yeah, I, I just stopped looking at the news and instead downloaded um, TikTok. And I found myself laughing a lot, which really helped my anxiety. And the content that was around on TikTok back then um, was lots of videos on the pandemic and kind of putting a light spin on it, like how different countries were isolating. And it, it was just, it made lightheartedness of the whole uh, situation, which was obviously awful. Um, and that's kind of what made me start doing the videos myself because it made me laugh and I thought well I'm going to try this because maybe then I can help other people other mothers laugh because I, I do think I think everyone had a tough time but when you have small children that you're homeschooling in lockdown it, it really was the most testing time and the most challenging time I mean it's never been done before I couldn't like my mum couldn't even give me advice because she never had it it's just such an like an unnatural situation because you can't even get help to come in and help you because we're all supposed to be riding it out alone because of the virus like it's such an abnormal situation you feel like you're reacting abnormally to it but you're you're not the thing that's abnormal the situation is and it's funny you say that because I remember when um there was talk of like schools closing like my mind just went to like oh that's all right it'd be quite nice I can have like my mum over and my and my father-in-law and my mother-in-law over and then you're like no, it's it's literally just you 100% of the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're doing it. And I know that that might sound weird, like, yes, they are my children. I'm the mother, of course. But if you're a mother, you know, like you, everyone needs breaks. It's like with any job, you need a break. And with the lockdown, obviously you're restricted. You can even go to like the local soft play. You couldn't, you know, you could go out for a walk once a day. It was seriously hard. How did the anxiety manifest for you? I mean, apart from just like the actual overwhelm of dealing with all that very logistical stuff during your day, was it was it your thought process? Did you feel physical anxiety? When did you know it was kind of getting in on top of you? I think it was literally like, I can even pinpoint it. It was like March 6th. Um, it was before the schools closed, but the news was getting worse and worse. And every job that I had in, in for modeling got canceled. You kind of slowly saw the world shutting down. And then you saw like Italy was ahead of us. And I don't know if you remember, but Italy was going through an awful time and we were just basically two weeks behind Italy. So we, my husband kept saying to me, he's so on top of the news the whole time. And I had to say to him, you need to stop telling me what's going on because I, I it's making me have like palpitations and I can't sleep at night. I was like, you need to just not tell me any bad news, um, which he did. He did stop. Um, but I just, I, I could feel it. It was almost like moss or fungus growing on me. I could feel it. And, and it got worse every time that, 
you know, you hear the BBC um, music or it was also dramatic or like my notifications coming up on my phone and a friend of mine, and I said to a friend of mine, I was like, oh my God, I just, I get really nervous when that comes on. She was like, just delete it then, just turn off the notifications. You don't need to have it on your phone. So I did that and I almost like just kind of like went down the whole ignorance is bliss route for a while. And, And luckily the weather was absolutely amazing during the first lockdown. I don't know if you remember, but it was unbelievable. I was heavily pregnant. So I was like, fuck, oh, I'm boiling. <laughs> yeah, that's not fun. Um, so we were outside in our garden a lot. So, so grateful to have had a garden. So I just had to do things that I knew that worked for me, which was obviously laughter, being in the garden. And, and luckily at the time, my youngest was six months old. So she wasn't moving she wasn't having tantrums. She wasn't, you know, she wasn't really, you know, you put her down and she'd sit still and it was all quite easy. Um, it was when we had the second lockdown with scores in January last year that I think the anxiety came again. And I, and I could, I could, it's like a wave. I could feel it coming. And I remember my husband saying to me, there's talk about, um, homeschooling again and as soon as I heard that word homeschooling I was just like no like I can't I can't and but again like my kind of release in a way was to make these funny videos it made it did make me feel better and I knew that it would help other people feel better and and that kind of helped me in a way I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare. that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host is there an anxiety element ever in putting i know obviously you're, you with the videos it's it's not you sitting there crying being like i'm having a shit day like you channel it through shareable content that people can relate to is there ever an anxiety of it not going down well do you know what? No, because I mean, I think I probably felt like that before, but I think if something doesn't, no, I don't really. Um, if something doesn't do well, you can just delete it. Yeah. Like it's, and people forget, like it's not, like it's not, but I've, I've kind of taught myself that when I first started Instagram, like you'd post something and it wouldn't do well. And you're like, well, that's embarrassing. 
But, you know, when that does happen, I just delete it or, or repost it another time. But, you know, I, I kind of do ask for, for opinions as well, like before I post certain videos to see if it's relatable, because again, I, I what, what, what might be real in my world might not be real in someone else's world. So when I first did my, um, one of, well, the first video I did with the, with the silly little hands and like the whole like mummy watch one, I, I recorded that. I filmed it and I didn't post it for a week and I sent it to my mum and I was like, do you think I should post this? And bizarrely, she was like, I don't get it. <laughs> she was like, I don't get it. And I was like, what, what don't you get? And she was like, well, who are you supposed to be? I'm like, I'm supposed to be a child. That's why I'm saying mummy and I've got the small hands. And she was like, no, I don't get it. Sorry. And I was like, well, that's bizarre. Like, have you completely forgotten what it's like to be a mother of three children? <laughs> and then I sent it to my best mate, um, who's got two small children. And she was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, you need to post that. So I do kind of like- Check it with your target demographic. Yeah. And I always show my husband some videos first, but then again, there's been a few where I've shown him and he's been like, no, I don't think it's very good. And then I'll post it and it goes viral. And I'm like, haha, you see? A question I get asked a lot, which I would love to, to put to you is people who follow me and have, who've read the books or listened to the podcast who, who really struggle with anxiety, they worry that if they're anxious in nature and they're not super chill and laid back and unflappable, that they will never be cut out for being a parent. And it breaks my heart that people would maybe want kids, would avoid going down that route because they think that they won't be able to cope. And like, I think there's just so much pressure on people to be just like I said, like this unflappable parent who just has the greatest reaction to everything. I think even if you're not an anxious person at all, you still get completely wound up like what would you say to someone who's worried that their anxiety would prohibit them I think we're now in a in a place where there's so much awareness and help around us that first of all if you do feel like that you're not alone um, and there are so many people that you can talk to whether it's in whether it's your GP or uh, something online or just friends or family like it's I'm so pleased that we now talk about anxiety like we talk about a headache like it's it happens and it's it's okay you know this wasn't around back in the day like my godmother my mum's best friend suffered from awful anxiety and depression and and ended up you know finishing her life from the back of not getting the help um and leaving behind two small children this is like going back in like the early 80s but she didn't get the help whereas now there is help another dear friend of mine went through awful awful depression during the pandemic um, to a point where it was very much like, you know, she was on suicide watch um, and she's now fine. She's, she's amazing. I had lunch with her yesterday. Like she's, she's got through it and she had the help and she talked and there is help out there. And it's sad that, uh, you know, I've got friends who are, terrified to become parents because they're like well, what if I have depression or what if I have that and it, it is it is you know I it's sad to kind of think that before you even be become a mother but at the same time it's good to acknowledge it I had no idea that anxiety kind of went hand in hand sometimes with motherhood I didn't understand it and I felt a lot better I felt a lot comforted knowing that it's normal and there is help the amount of people that I know in real life and online that have experienced some kind of anxiety, whether it's clinical or just something that you can deal with organically. The main factor is it's something that we talk about and we can relate to and 
it's almost nice to know that you're not alone. I think that is so important. You were not alone. Yeah, it's so true. I think people need to realize as well that when they think they're not cut out for it, they're comparing their anxious feelings with what they're seeing online, which is often, like I said, that very glossy image of motherhood. For me anyway, lately, like what I'm really struggling with lately is this pressure I feel to be a kind of type of mother who who just like rolls with it and lets everything go and rides the waves and like trying not to have a stressful reaction like just yesterday we we took my our baby on a flight and then to see my parents on the other side of the country we thought we would try it was our, his first flight he's one and a half and it was the most stressful experience I've had to date with him like he had one of like a nuclear meltdown worst he's ever had the minute we walked into the airport and I I could just like I go into these things knowing like it's okay he'll have a tantrum it's fine just like let him happen but I was up to 90 like if I had have had something measuring my heart rate it would have been through the roof and then of course it happens he's a toddler he's particularly sensitive and he he might go to one end of the spectrum of toddler tantrums and I think the hardest part with anxiety as a mother is the pressure we put ourselves under to be the perfect mother and I just don't know when I'm going to get to the point where I can say it's okay that you're a worrier it's okay that you're a stressy person like you're not going to be Mrs chilled out all the time that's just not who you are but that doesn't mean you can't be a mother no of course not and we have to remember that we're the first generation of parents to be online and that is going to affect us maybe in a positive way maybe in a negative way but that there is a lot of anxiety that goes hand in hand with being a parent and being online we do compare ourselves to other mothers other families you know if you see a family having a lovely walk in the park and you're stuck in a room with your kid that's driving you mad of course you're going to feel a sense of I failed slash I hate that person why is their life better than mine when actually you don't know what's behind the story of the person you're seeing online like nothing you know, it, people hide behind the perfect picture. Do you think it's on people consuming that content to realize that they're only getting a small portion of it? Or do you think people in general should start sharing more of the reality? I'm seeing more and more people share reality or they'll do two pictures like Instagram and reality, which is nice. It's nice to see that. And, um, and people find it's nice to know again, that, okay, your life isn't absolutely perfect. And you can see from engagement that that's people almost like like prefer that anyway like if i was to post a picture up today on my instagram a lovely perfect picture saying something like everything's wonderful i'm so blessed people be like fuck off yeah. if you put something up that's like i'm really struggling this is shit oh my god is there, can anyone relate to this it you know you get people saying yes i feel that too so it's almost like people Of course, people have great days with motherhood and you do get that beautiful picture, of course. But at the same time, you have the flip side of it where everything is a bit crap and your kid looks feral or, you know, (laughs) at the moment, my toddler won't let me brush her hair and she's got the most incredible mane of hair. So she just looks ridiculous. (laughs) So there's there's the flip side to to both of it, really. Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day and, and the representations, particularly of motherhood online. And I've gotten some negative comments sometimes being like, oh, like, did you even want a child? And it's like, oh, first of all, that just makes you feel horrible. But it's like the fact that not being super positive or super like everything is perfect, that does equate sometimes to being negative. Like to me, it's not negative or positive. It's just real. And also, I think when Instagram started, you didn't come onto it until 2015. But in the beginning, like it was just, it was would be a highlight. It would be a holiday bikini pic from somewhere. It would be a gorgeous day that you had. 
But now it's something we're on 24 seven. We're seeing, we have Instagram stories. We're seeing into people's lives all the time. And it, unfortunately, what people don't realize is that for, for a lot of people, it stayed as just more and more highlights. And we, I guess we think that because we're consuming more around the clock that we're getting the real picture, which is where I've craved more reality because you can't live up to that 24 seven. No, you can't. And I think lots of social apps now have almost like a, you can put a timer on it. So it tells you when to come off, which I have got now, even on TikTok, if you're scrolling, there's actually an ad that says it's time to turn off. So it is trying to make it a bit healthier in a way, which is great. When you feel anxiety rising now, do you, do you have a go-to that you know, right, I know what this is and I know what works for me and what doesn't. And what is that? I think controlling your breath and breathing is it's really important um, and quite underestimated how powerful it can be. So when I do, and I recently I've been feeling quite anxious. I don't even know why there was something, I think it's because we're about to go into this huge house renovation and I was just like, Oh my God, the idea of living in dust and bricks and we have to move out and just the whole of it, like you kind of got on top of me. So I kind of took myself away from my desk, from where I was. And I just sat in nature. I was breathing and I, I write a lot. Like I write, if I, I write down things that are on my mind and once you see them on paper, then you cross them off. Like for me, that's actually really helpful. Um, but then also I do do some like visualization. Like when my anxiety was probably at its highest, um, I actually visualized my anxiety as an unwelcomed house guest. And I actually like kicked the anxiety out. I was like, you're not welcome in my house. Um, and I just kept doing that and kind of kept thinking, you know, this anxiety is not welcome. And that, you know, sounds silly, but again, that did help me. And do you still use the Think Up app? I do, yes. And the Think Up is absolutely amazing. I listen to it every day when I go to sleep. And what's great about Think Up is that you can record your own affirmations. They give you some examples that you can you can copy. So there, there's a whole section for anxiety which I listen to. And when you hear your own voice calming yourself down, there's something really calming about that. It's like your list, it's like yourself is talking to yourself. And ThinkUp has been great. I've been on ThinkUp for, my God, ages, absolutely ages. And I listen to it every single night. I'd never heard of it before you mentioned it. So uh, it sounds like a really, really useful resource. And like, you're right, there's something really powerful about like whether it's journaling or something, like if you can tap into the I guess the higher part of yourself that knows that you've got this that mama's still got it and that you're okay (laughs) and talk to yourself when you're at your lowest ebb that might even be more powerful than hearing from a friend or something and what's great with the app is when you record your own affirmations obviously I put on a voice that's very calming (laughs) and it's like Louise you're fine and la 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 so when you listen to yourself talking to yourself you're like oh yeah that's great of course I'm fine (laughs) So good. Such a good tip. Louise, thank you so, so much for joining me on Owning It, the Anxiety Podcast. I've really enjoyed hearing your story and I really appreciate all of the advice that you've shared, the things that work for you, because that's all it is for people is maybe getting a new idea of something they haven't tried before. And also just the validation of knowing here's someone they're looking at you on Instagram. They're like, wow, she's beautiful. She's this amazing career and I can relate to her and she feels it too sometimes. And that's kind of really owning it, I suppose. Thank you. It's, it's been lovely to be on your podcast. Thanks for asking me.
Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The easiest way to access Owning It Real Time is to head to the link in the episode description or episode details, whatever you call them, show notes. You will find the link in there at the top. You can sign up right away for Owning It Real Time and access the full library of 10 situation-specific audio guides that will help you own your anxiety even more than you've ever done before. <laughs> 